I would like to ask you to do one favor for me before we get started. Please check your cell phones. Please make sure they're off. You see, I'm expecting an important call. If you could wait out in the foyer, that would be great because it'll probably go off right during the invitation or during the best part of the sermon. It'll distract everybody. All you got to do is just check it, and uh, if you'll turn that off for me, I would appreciate that very, very much. Dr. Jeff Smale, let me tell you a little bit about him in case you don't know him. He was saved at the age of nine in Backyard Bible Clubs. Uh, actually, we were just talking. When did we actually first meet? Probably at least mid-summer, if not earlier. Late Was it late summer? And uh, so that's a long time. Uh, probably older than most of you have been born, right? How, how many are 40 and older? Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. Okay, ready? Now watch a lot of hands drop now, especially women. Uh, how many are 50 and older? Now, wait a minute. More hands went up then. Uh, okay, let's, let's try one more time. How many are 60 and older? Oh, there you go. There's the drop-off right there. Miss Weaver, seriously? How old? Who said 69? You're 69? Well, you're just a kid yet, aren't you? Uh, now, I know our ladies back here. One of them is, uh, Brother uh, Morse, how old are you? 77. And... Uh, I know one of our ladies at 80, visiting ladies. I, 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 sorry, I don't remember your name. One of you is 90? Which one's 90? Oh, my goodness, I feel like a teenager. And your sister, how old? Oh, my goodness. Anybody over 90? Wow, that's getting up there, isn't it? Glad to have you here. The age of our church is, to me has always been uh, kind of special. Uh, it really is. The majority of our church is probably 45 and down. On a Sunday night, you'll see little kids run everywhere. I mean, seriously, everywhere. Like little gangs, you know. Uh, Westsiders, you identify with that? How many of you went to West High University? Yeah, I did. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, glad to have you here this morning. Dr. Jeff Smell. Uh, surrendered to preach under Dr. Curtis Hudson. Now, Tony Hudson, who's going to be preaching here, uh, his daddy is Curtis Hudson, great, great preacher. Years gone by, he's in heaven now. And he was saved underneath of his preaching. Uh, his wife, he'd been married to his wife, Molly, now for 44 years. Uh, they have 12 children. That's, that's normal what people go, whoa. Uh, and that's the, that's the men uh, doing that, whoa. Uh, eight of them of whom they have adopted. They adopted eight kids, and so uh, uh, that's something very special. They currently live way in northern Ohio. They just moved. Uh, the Smells founded. We used to have a Jim's Jewels called that. We still have one, but it's not called that right now. Uh, Ministry of Children, Adults with Special Needs since 1990, and uh, Dr. Smells helped to start these, him and his wife. Over 30 different churches now have what they call a Jim's and Jewels um, program for uh, those special needs type of people. He has a bachelor's degree in theology in 1986, master's degree in theology in 1990, and he got his doctor's degree in theology in 1992. He has pastored three churches, three churches for over 30 years, and uh, now has been in administration in a college and also helping to uh, 
uh, organize and keep an online type of correspondence college going now for quite some time. Um, he's no novice, been around, and a great guy, great guy. I've always enjoyed being around Brother Smell. So I want you to get your King James Bible out. If you have a, if you have another one, it's really not a Bible. It's just a, a book, commentary at best. Okay, and uh, so I hope that will help you a little bit. So right off the bat, knock it right out of the park, right? Uh, really, you don't know that. Many of you don't know that. And uh, I'm working on a message. I was telling my wife the other day. I'm working on a message. That message last week. You know what it's called? Those crazy preachers. Those crazy preachers. Now you have no idea where that's going, do you? But I'm going to show you how we got to the spot we're in in America. So you need to be here, okay? That'd be after Faith Harbor Week, that Sunday night. And I know what you're going to do. Oh, I've been in preaching all week. I think I'll take the weekend off. Don't you take that Amen. weekend off. Hey. Come at you. Do you want to be here for that? That's good preaching, right? Uh, you need to be here for that, okay? Uh, we'll have prayer, have a song, and then uh, Dr. Smell is going to come preach for us. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for conviction of sin, for without it we would not know that we have done wrong. So thank you for truth, truth that will not sidestep even your children, but will point out to them, because you love us, the changes we need, the upgrades that need to take place. Help every one of us not to sit here and stew in our own righteousness, thinking good of ourselves, when you have pointed something out, this is our opportunity to get closer to God again. So I pray you'll bless our dear friend. Thank you for this time. Lord, it's still hard for me to believe 34 years. It's, it's hard to believe. In a day when most people can't stay at anything for very long, you've been very kind to me, very good to us. Please bless this morning in Jesus' name. So many souls have tested him throughout the course of time. So many still reach out to him with broken hearts and minds. And every one of them will say, with no exception that they find, that Jesus never days of old he brought his people through and then he came to show his love when he died for me and you and then he rose again to prove that every story had been true that jesus never fails Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot prevail because Jesus never fails. 
Sometimes this world brings troubles that I find so hard to bear. I know I could not make it without Jesus being there. It's so encouraging to know, however deeper in despair, that Jesus never fails. So what can I do to prove to you Tell me, how can you deny? No untold facts, no mysteries. It's all so cut and dry. On the witness stand of your life, I'll be the first to testify that Jesus never fails. Jesus singing that Jesus never now I fail but, but he doesn't Amen. that's the thing you'd never have these uh, nutty recovering fundamentalists yeah. if they'd understand that song right. yeah everybody fails we're all sinners it's all God has to use Amen. think about think about it from God's standpoint up in heaven he's in perfection and all he could use are imperfections all he can use and, uh, and but yet he, he does, and over and over and over again, and uh, it's a wonderful thing. But anyway, God bless you, and uh, thank you for allowing me to be here again this year for Faith Harbor. Uh, I love it. I, many, many times as uh, just a person sitting in the pews and uh, the seats, whatever, and uh, brought people from my church many times, and just over the years, many great memories. I love your pastor. So many things I love about him. I, I, I love he's clean. You know that? This place is clean. And uh, I, I've been to so many churches where guys don't care about stuff like that anymore. But everything's got an order to it. And it's supposed to be. Everything's supposed to be done decently and in order. And uh, so the, the ushers look like they belong. Uh, you know, they take the offering in a particular way. They stand in a particular way. Uh, the service goes. And, and, and I preach in churches where, they, you know, Who's got, who wants to take an offering? I'm getting up here. 
you know, and, and four guys named Rufus get up. And uh, it, it's, it doesn't have to be that way, though. But I, I, here's, let me just tell you what I think I see. Uh, a lot of uh, pastors have given up. They just haven't quit their church, but they have, they've given up. And they're just, they're just biding time. They're hoping Jesus comes soon so they don't have to, you know, quit their church because that's where they are. So, but anyway, uh, I just, I, I love things to be done decently in order. And this place has always been that way. Back, back when it was a storefront, it was that way. And uh, so that's a tribute to your pastor and to his desire for the Lord's work. And I appreciate that. And uh, I think he's not telling us the truth. He said 34 years, but the sign back there says established 1776. This church is older than 34 years, and uh, I don't know the math on that, but it's not 34. So, uh, and he's a lot older than what he's letting on too. Uh, so, <laughs> so, I thought it was funny when you said that it was $20 an hour, and I thought, well, now. Anytime I've ever heard him preach, I had him in my church many, many times to preach. He's at least an hour and a half, so you got thirty dollars just to hear him preach. You know, and I need nothing else in the service, just thirty dollars to hear him preach. So, uh, anyway, those those were the days, weren't they? Those were the days. Hey, some a couple of people asked me about my daughter Elena. Uh, a year ago, she had a liver transplant. It was on August first, a year ago. She's doing wonderful. Thank you for many of you have said you've prayed. And I appreciate that, and uh, it's been a miracle. I, you know, and I, I, I pray for her every day, obviously, as her dad, but uh, thanking God for that uh, miracle, that transplant. That's not an easy transplant, and, uh, it, but she's doing well, and I just am amazed at what God can do uh, in our lives. Third John, you should have found it by now. If not, uh, you just go ahead and look intelligent and uh, stand with me, if you would, one last time. And I'll begin reading to you in verse number five of 30. You can't get lost in what chapter. There's only one. And right to the point, that's what it's all about. Uh, verse five, beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sword, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I call your attention to uh, verse number uh, uh, five. What thou do faithfully, whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to the strangers. And then in verse six, you see the phrase in the middle there, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. I want to do well. I want to do well. I think you want to do well. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to do well. And uh, yeah, there's some of you, you had your arm twisted and you're forced to come. You're a kid or whatever, and you're forced to come, or you're, you're, you're a spouse and you're forced to come. Uh, but most of you came because you want to do well. And uh, how can I do well this morning? I want to preach to you on paying it forward. Paying it forward. Father, help us now. We come to the Word of God. We do not take it lightly what this means to us. And the older I get, the more I'm amazed at what this word does. And I pray that it would do its work today in every life here. Help us not to miss what the Spirit has to say to the church in this hour. But I pray our hearts would be wide open and that we would glean the great things of God from this very scripture. 
You would help us now to adjust our lives in order to be well, to do well. And I pray that the very desire of the heart of the majority of the people here would be accomplished by this hour. And I pray that you'd help me. Holy Spirit, guide me and direct me. I yield through your power. Speak through me now the words of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated. There's several indicators that we live today in the last of the last days. It's a funny thing. I don't think it takes much intelligence to understand that we're close to the coming of our Lord. And, uh, and I get it. Uh, it's always been talked about, and all the preachers I've known throughout my history have talked about it. But they didn't see what we see today. And they weren't a part of what we're a part of today. But I believe we're in the last, last days. And I can further testify that 2 Timothy 3.1 is where we are. Where, where uh, Paul told his preacher boy Timothy, he said, uh, in the last days, perilous times, shall it's perilous out there. It's perilous to live for Christ. It's perilous to stand for truth. It's perilous to be a fundamental, independent Baptist uh, Christian. And, uh, but in the following verses after that, in verse number two there, and I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but in verse two it starts giving the description of the people of that time, which you can find shoelaced right into all of what we go through today. And, uh, and yet at the second to last word there in verse two is the word unthankful unthankful. We're in a generation that is very unthankful. They're not thankful for anything. But it's totally contrary to what I was raised like. And here, I was born in the late 50s, and I was raised by parents who did their best. They weren't strong Christians. They're much stronger Christians now than they were then. But they didn't teach me a lot about Jesus, but they taught me about some practical things of life that are still resonating with me today, like please and thank you, the magic words. And so I've got that down, and, uh, and I've never had a problem with it. My parents reaped the benefit of that teaching because whenever I would go to a friend's house for dinner and uh, then I'd come back, my parents would always grill them as to how I behaved. Well, this is a different day, wasn't it? I mean, and, uh, and, oh, your son is such a, a fine gentleman. He always says please and thank you. Well, my parents drilled that into me. It was as natural to me to do that as it was to breathe. And so I've grown up with that. And this is the way that I have existed and how I've known. But if you know anything about society today, it is uh, woefully lacking in our society, especially among young people. Just go to your uh, local Walmart and buy $500 worth of things, which is usually groceries and a few extra things. Uh, today, and uh, you thank the president we've got, and if you voted for him, boy, you really missed it. How in the world you could see not see this coming? But anyway, uh, we, we've got a couple of years. We'll get into it again, and we can get out of it. All right. Uh, but uh, uh, so I, I, I'm getting my two hundred fifty dollars worth of groceries, and uh, we finish there, and I'm getting I'm paying, and uh, they just look at you at the register. And in my mind, you should be taking my money and saying thank you because you have a job because I just paid for that stuff. And if I wasn't here and others weren't here, you wouldn't be working. But usually what you get there in the register is, yeah, I got another hour to get out of this joint. You're like, they're in jail or something, you know. And, uh, and so I say thank you when they give me my credit card back. <laughs> I'm telling them thank you for taking my money. Something's missing here. 
Well, I say it because somebody ought to say it, and they ain't going to say it. And that's the problem we have. We have a problem with this in this generation. So spoiled and sullen and often sacrilegious young people sit in the classrooms of America with an attitude of entitlement, having a desire in their mind or a right that they believe they ought to get everything they want in life, and you ought to be giving it to them. Man, I, for almost eight years, I've been the president of Independent Baptist Online College, and we have we just went over 1,900 students enrolled in the college. The interesting thing about it is most of the people I deal with are older people finishing their education. They never finished. They got sidetracked. Kids came and jobs and, and problems and things like that. They got sidetracked. But every once in a while, I get some of these young people that just graduated from high school. Boy, are they fun to work with. So... So I had to, uh, my secretary contacted me and said, you got to call this guy. He, uh, he's a, a student. He's in his first year in the college, and he's got, he's real upset. Okay, I'll call. And, you know, I have this calming influence when I talk to people. <laughs> what's wrong with you, Squirrely? I mean, really, you know, what, what's your problem that you, you are mad uh, as a student in college? You know, it doesn't go that way. And uh, so I, he says, here's, here's my problem. He says, uh, I got to be on my last uh, test. And I said, uh, well, maybe that's what you earned on your last test. He says, it's not fair. <laughs> I love that. It's not fair. He said, I've not been given a syllabus with the, uh, all the outlines, and I haven't got a review, and I didn't. And I said, hey, welcome to the real world, son. So he said, I got a B. I'm upset. And I said, well, what's wrong with that? B's not bad, really. B, not bad. <laughs> he said, I've, hold on. He said, I've never received anything less than an A in my entire education life. Really? Never anything less than an A? And you think I'm going to give you an A just because you showed up? I read... Two weeks after that, that conversation, I read in USA Today where they said 43% of the graduates in American high schools have never gotten anything less than an A. 43%. You think we're that smart? No, no we're not that smart. Welcome to the entitlement generation of ingratitude. And that's what it's about. Now, is there something we can do to change this? Yes. There needs to be a mindset of paying it back. There needs to be a mindset of thankfulness that starts by, I owe because I've received. And since I have received, I need to give and I need to pay back what I've received. And I believe today it starts in the church house to be able to get this out. It ain't going to start in Walmart. It's not going to start in the government. He's right. It's the old hippies, the Woodstock people that are running the nation. That's why you got, uh, uh, that's why uh, marijuana is allowed in half the states now. It's the old, old hi hippies, but it doesn't matter. Uh, we need to get it in the church house. Now, here's the thing. It's not always the way you can pay back what you've received. So what do I need to do if I can't pay it back? I need to pay it forward. I need to find somebody else to invest in and help them with what somebody helped me with and give them a chance at life and pay it forward. That's exactly the teaching of this section here in 3 John. 
The Apostle John, in his elder years, he refers to himself as an elder to this local New Testament church here. He's writing to Gaius in 90 AD, and he has been 60 years faithfully serving God. He calls himself an elder. So he tells Gaius in this church that there were things that they were to do both to the brethren, the saved, and to the strangers, the lost. They're to do it to both people. And in verse 6, this charity act is supposed to help forward the lives of others. Listen, the best day in your life will come when you realize it's not about you, it's about everyone else. I am here not to serve myself. I am here not to better my life. I am here not, I'm here to help somebody else. It's about others. And so I want to be about others since that's why I'm here. And so if I can bring others forward on their journey, I'm going to do well. And everybody can do that. No, not everybody has a pulpit. Not everybody can sing. Not everybody can preach. Not everybody can teach. But everybody can one-on-one help somebody else be a better person, a better Christian, a better American. You can do that. So it's to move them forward, particularly in their spiritual lives. And this is what John was doing. He's now commanding the people of the church to do this. And according to verse 8, by doing this, they become fellow helpers of the truth. They're helping other people in the truth. How? By paying it forward. They're to take what they have been taught, what they have been given, and they were to forward the other people's lives around them. They viewed that as payback to John and the apostles for what they had done for them. So another generation pushing out what the previous generations had put into them. Others will receive what you have received, and then you pay it back by paying it forward. John wasn't teaching this so they would do it to him. He wasn't trying to get rewards. He wasn't trying to get somebody to give him accolades. He said, listen, I want you to help forward other people's lives. Be a fellow helper to the truth. Help them in their spiritual journey to be where you are or better than you are by giving them what you've gotten. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully because, and I think you understand. Can I use this? I guess that's why it's here. Will you let me take that one? Okay. They're all, they're all mine. I, it's going to be a long service, but I won't put this on the, you know, I was preaching. I forget where I was preaching at, but I was preaching here. I had a, a bottle of water open like that and, and hit that thing, and it went all over the front row. Just letting you know, friends, I'm putting it back in here. <laughs> the Christian life is not a life of giving and receiving. It's a life of receiving and then giving. How do I know? Uh, in First John chapter 4 and verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Okay, We receive God's love. Now we love him because we, he first loved us. 2 Timothy 2, 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who are able to teach others also. You have received it, take the same. Not something different, not something new, not something uh, uh, screwy to the culture. The same thing and give it to others who will teach others as well. You have received, now give. For a second uh, Corinthians 1.4, who comforteth us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. God comforts you in your time of trial. You take that comfort. Now you've got something 
something to help people with. Now you go to them and say, I know what you're going through. I've been through this. Here's how I got through it. Here's what God did for me. He'll do it for you because he did it for me. That's what it's all about. It's called paying it forward. Brother Bell mentioned about uh, how I got saved. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. And the Presbyterians believe salvation by grace through faith. They just don't talk about it. You're not allowed to talk about it. It's secret because it's Calvinist. And uh, so they believe whoever's going to get saved is going to get saved. And you don't help them. You don't influence them. They are, either are or they're not, which is out of the pits of hell. If we don't get the gospel out, they're not getting saved. And uh, the thing about the gospel, God didn't give the responsibility and commission of the gospel to puppy dogs and kitty cats and trees and, and angels. He gave it to us. And it's, our, and it's all of our job, not just the pastor and the staff, everybody's job to get out in the highways and hedges and let them know what this is all about. Tell them the gospel. So, and, and everybody can tell what happened to them. If you can't do anything with the Romans road, you got to learn yet. I had to learn one day. I had to grow in grace. So do you. And uh, so if you haven't grown in grace, you can at least tell what you know. And that's what happened to you. So anyway, I'm growing up, I'm in church, every service, my parents drilled that thing in me, and you say, were you forced to go? Absolutely, I didn't want to go to that church. Are you kidding me? That guy stood up there with his wife's gown up front, uh, I hope I don't offend anybody here, uh, and he wore his underwear around his neck, and why it was around his neck, I never could figure out, and uh, it doesn't belong up there, and, uh, and so, and he was on this side of the auditorium, and uh, the sanctuary on that side, nothing here, and then there was a pulpit over here. And, uh, and so the pulpit over here is where the layman read the, the Bible. And over here was the pastor when he preached. And he said, well, why, why did he preach over here and the Bible was read over there? Because what they read over there was so far what he was saying over here. They wanted to make sure you knew they don't go together. And they didn't go together. And uh, so that's what I grew up in. And I was in every service. Let me tell you what I'm talking about, every service. Uh, when I had chicken pox, I missed two weeks of school. Two weeks of school, no days of church. Amen. No days of church. I went and looked like I went and looked like a teenager with pock marks all over my face. And and I just thought I'm just gonna play like I'm a teenager. Hey, how you doing? Cool man, look at me, I'm a teenager, you know? And uh, <laughs> I was I had chicken box and still had to go to church. So I never heard the gospel. Never. When I got into high school, the high school teachers were cool, so they got Grateful Dead records out, and they'd play the Grateful Dead, and they say, now, what do you think they were talking about there? Now, let me tell you what about the Grateful Dead. They don't know what they were talking about. They're all high and out of their minds, and so we're never going to figure it out. Why is that Sunday school? It's not, okay? But that's so nothing with the gospel. So I'm nine years of age, never heard the gospel before, went to all the church services, always heard about Jesus, but that's all I ever heard. Never knew what he was all about. So in the little town I grew up in, temperance from the state up north of here, uh, <laughs> I know I, you got to love me though, please. Don't like me, but love me. And, and I couldn't pick where I was born. If I could pick, I'd have been born here. Good night. I spent most of my life here, most of my church ministry life here. I've lived here most of my life. 
And somebody said, you know, out of the 30 years I was a pastor, I spent five years in Cincinnati as a pastor, 24 years in Elyria as a pastor, so 29 out of 30 years. The other year was in, in uh, Indiana. And somebody said, what were you? I said, I was, I, I've been a missionary to the worthless nuts. That's what I've been. And anyway, <clears throat> that's not even in my notes. Uh, so three ladies from the local First Baptist Church had a backyard Bible club. It was uh, uh, 1968, and uh, and so they had it in the backyard. Twelve of us in the neighborhood, there were only 12 houses, 12 of us, uh, junior-age kids, uh, came in the backyard, and these three ladies uh, taught us about Jesus and led us to Christ in the backyard. That's how I know I'm going to heaven. By the way, I, it was, that was 55 years ago, and I'm still going to heaven. Yeah. Hey, it doesn't change just because you get older. It doesn't change because you get more sin or less sin. It doesn't change because you go to this town or that town. It is the same as Jesus is the same. It's a wonderful thing. You never have to wonder. I think God's about ready to change some things, isn't he? No, sir. It's going to be the same. So I was preaching, Dr. Bell. I was preaching one time, maybe 20 years ago now, in my church I was pastoring. And it dawned on me as I was preaching that these three ladies do not know what I do for a, for, for a life. They have no idea I'm a preacher. And here I was one of the kids. They led to Christ, snotty-nosed kids, probably not me a brat. I've never been a brat. Right. Ask my mama. She's 85. She'll tell you the truth about it. And uh, I'm as close. I'm like Mary Poppins. I'm practically perfect. <laughs> so... So it wasn't me, but other kids were bratty. And uh, so, you know, here's, what, here's the thing. You teach these Sunday school classes, work in junior churches and other things, and you think, oh, they're not getting it. You don't know what they're getting or not, and you don't know what God's going to do with them. And here I am preaching, and my life is a calling of God that started by these three ladies giving me the gospel. Amen. Hey, here's the thing about it, though. They had no idea of that. So you say, well, what is it you're doing right now? Let me tell you what I'm doing for you. I'm paying them back. Their investment in me continues on, and I'm going to keep paying them. And every time I mount the pulpit, and every time I lead a soul to Christ, and every time I pray, and every time I counsel on whatever I do in the name of Jesus, I'm paying it forward, brother, by paying them back. So I wanted those three ladies to know what I do in my life. I thought, what a, what a thrill that would be. Not that I'm anybody. But, you know, if you're a Sunday school teacher and you find out one of your kids grew up and went into the ministry, that would thrill you. All three of them, I sent my secretary to find out where they are. They're all in heaven. Well, I guess they know now, you know. Uh, but this is why I say you don't understand what you're doing when you teach a Sunday school class. Oh, I only got one kid. That one child could change Columbus, Ohio. You don't know. That boy could be the next pastor of Anchor Baptist Church. You don't know that. Now, this guy's so old, but he keeps, he's keeps he got great health. How does he do this? I don't know. Uh, but he keeps on going, and that's great. Kind of like that Energizer Bunny just keeps on going, you know. I want to help others with what I've been helped with. Don't you? Because this is how you do well. Because somebody needs what you know. 
Everybody knows something that somebody else doesn't know. Everybody's experienced something somebody else hasn't experienced. And I'm not talking about outside of Scripture, within the boundaries of Scripture. You can help somebody by paying it forward. Quit sitting on what, listen, it's, it's time you quit just existing in life and decide you're going to use what God has put inside of you for somebody else. It's time to start paying it forward. For as much as we've received, we owe. And the least we can do with the blessings, it, this is why you ought to be a soul winner. You ought to be a soul winner because you've received salvation. And you ought to share it with somebody. And you don't have to tingle and you don't have to get thrilled and excited. But I wish that I could say every time I went soul winning it's because I just was so excited to do it. No, sometimes I just had to do it because it was the right thing to do. Amen. And you realize this is the right thing to do today. Amen. I need to do it. The last child, the child number 12 is Tanya. Tetiana is her name. We adopted her from the country of Ukraine before the war began. And, uh, and so with the, the adoption agency, when we went over to Ukraine, now you talk about a funny language. I mean, I can learn some. I, I've learned some Spanish. I, the, the, one of the early adoptions was Carlos. He's 33 now. I learned some Spanish when I went to Honduras. And, uh, and I could say it with a Taco Bell, burrito, enchilada. You see how it sounds like it just sounds like them, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, so, but Ukrainian, good night. What a strange language. You can't learn one word from them. Not one word. <laughs> so they put you, the adoption agency puts you with somebody who can speak English and Ukrainian and Russian because there's a lot of Russian speakers there in Ukraine. And so we're in the capital city of Kiev. It used to be Kiev when I was growing up. Now it's Kiev. And uh, so uh, we were there and we had an apartment we were staying in and our host was Vitaly. And Vitaly could speak and read English and uh, Russian and Ukrainian. So he would give us a tour. When we weren't doing something that was dealing with the adoption, he'd take us around the city and he'd say, now here's a building Ukraine built and da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. Here's a building the Russians built. And he said, you know the difference between the buildings Ukrainians built and the buildings the Russians built? Is there a time I'm supposed to be done? Okay. Uh, it just dawned on me. It's like, don't keep rattling on about this. There might be a little bit too much time here. Somebody in the nurse is saying, would that guy shut up? You know. Uh, so, uh, so he said, the difference is the Ukrainian buildings are beautiful and ornate. The Russian buildings are plain, nothing to them. And uh, they didn't care for the Russians before the war, and they don't care for them today. Uh, so uh, uh, he all week long, he was like our, our, our butler. He would hold our bags. He would hold the door for us. He would take care of us. He drove us. He did all these things, Vitaly. And he knew everything about his area. He even showed us the church. He would do one of those big Russian Orthodox type things. And you knew the gospel wasn't given there. And, uh, and this is where he went uh, to church. So uh, after seven days of that, we're getting ready to go to the airport. He's got our bags packed, and, man, the Holy Spirit is eating my lunch. I cannot get away from the fact that I've got to witness to him. I can't go and leave this guide who can speak English, who understands, can read English. I can't let him go without hearing the gospel. And so I said, Vitaly, I said, we got some time. Sit down here. And he sat down in the couch there. And I said, you have told me about where you go to church and when it was built and who built it and all the different things. And I said, you, you've been wonderful to us and you've been a blessing. I said, you've never told me about whether you're going to heaven or not. I said, you know for sure if you died, you go to heaven? He says, well, I don't know that. And this is a guy that knows everything. He says, oh, I don't know that. 
I said, can I show you from the Bible how you can know that? Oh, yes, please. There are people in the world who want to know how to go to heaven. Everybody's not going to slam a door in your face. Everybody's not going to cuss you out. Everybody's not going to sick their dogs on you. Some want to know. We have convinced ourselves nobody wants to hear this. That's the lie of hell. So it was as easy as, as, as anything. Sat down in there, uh, Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23a, Romans 5.8, Romans 6.23b, Romans 10.9, uh, uh, and uh, Romans 10.13. It was so easy. Do you believe the Bible's true vitality? Yes. Do you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Would you be willing to pray and receive him? Yes. And there in the capital city of Ukraine, vitality received Christ as Savior. Amen. Why? I need to pay back by paying forward what's been given to me. Those ladies invested in me, not the idea that all I would do is get heaven and exist for the next 70 years of my life, but that I actually would do something with what I got to help somebody else with it. Pay it forward, friend. Quit existing in America and start being a participant. Yeah, man. That's why you ought to be serving in some ministry. Somebody served you, it's time for you to serve. It's time for people to line up and see the pastor and say, listen, I don't know what I should be doing, but you probably do. Plug me in. Plug me in. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. Somebody serve me. I want, Lord, help me live day by day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live like thee. If you want to live like Jesus and do well, you're going to have to live for others. There's no other way around it. The Apostle Paul was the, one of the finest Christians you're ever going to understand about in the New Testament. And yet, despite his unquestionable greatness, he constantly referred to himself in positional terms that didn't make sense. He called himself a servant. He called himself a debtor and on and on. That's what he felt about his life. We exalt him and say, what a great Christian. He says, no, I'm a sinner and I'm a debtor and I'm a servant. That's what I am. And because of that, the Lord used him. And the more he received from God, the more indebted he felt to give to somebody else. It bled out of him. He had to do it. And he would take care of a, listen, <laughs> Dr. Bell mentioned about gems and jewels. This morning while I'm preaching here, 32 churches run that ministry. From one girl that was born to our family with Down syndrome, who's in heaven now, 500, this is a conservative estimate, at least 500 people with special needs, adults and children, are in churches like this, being taught and loved on their understanding, their level, and their ability. And they're being cared for. And their families beyond that 500 are sitting in services like this who couldn't normally sit in services like this because there was no way to care for their kids. But now a church has reached out to them and has cared for them. And those people are getting what we got. That's what it is. Why? How'd you start that? Because it's what we received and we passed it on to somebody else. We're paying it forward. That's what we're supposed to do. It doesn't take a preacher to do that, though. By my daughter's death, we're sustaining the lives of others by paying it forward. That's the truth of the matter. That's one reason why, uh, towards the end of my life here, uh, I hate to think of that because I think I'm as young as anybody here. Uh, 
that good-looking guy that sang up here, I'm certainly certainly his age. And uh, I don't know how old he is, but I'm sure, certainly that age. Uh, so <laughs> it's funny how your mind plays tricks on you. Uh, so, but uh, as I get older, what, what do I do? Uh, so I've, for the last eight years, been the president of Independent Baptist Online College, 1,900 students and, uh, and 35 staff members, some older than I, but all of them experienced the gray-haired soldiers of the cross. And, and he, why are you doing that? What are you doing that for? Because I want to invest in the next generations behind me. I believe Jesus is coming soon, but let's say my soon and his soon is 100 years off. Somebody's got to take the place of us. Somebody's got to know what you know. Somebody's got to got to run the buses and preach in the pulpits and run the Sunday school classes. Hey, if we don't get involved, then these goofy uh, uh, warehouse churches, impact and elevation, or the stupid one in Canal Winchester called the X Church, you're a fool, you to a place like that. And yet, this is what's taking over because what are we doing? We're sitting here waiting for the rapture to take place, and we even got the ushers organized. I went to one church where the, each service they had kids taking the offering. And the, and the pastor said to me, he made a mistake, but I'm nice because I, I want to help. And he said, he said uh, what do you, you, you've been in my church. He said, what would you change? I said, the first thing I do is I find some men, stick them in a, in a sport coat and put them down the aisle there. I said, nobody wants to give money to kids. Amen. It's true. They, they don't feel like it's going to get there even. He'd probably get out of the parking lot and be gone. You, know, you don't know. We want somebody to do this that does it right. Hey, God's business is the greatest business in all the world. Do it the right way. I want to help young people to know this. I want some young pastors to grow up and be like Dr. George Bell. Who, who plant themselves in an area and stay there and, and do just glean that area for Christ, do the best they can, and they go on to be with the Lord. What's wrong with that? And never change the whole time. Never change the whole time. And uh, if anything, they just build, build some more buildings, make some more space. That's the only change they got going on. Everything else, same Bible, same preaching, same pastor, same truth, same. That's the way it's supposed to be. If somebody doesn't teach me, so that so I, I volunteer. I'm glad to do it. I know God wants me to do it, so I'm glad to do it. <clears throat> I want to pay back what's been given to me. Amen. Every time I read Proverbs 15, the last verse, verse 33, talks about uh, uh, you know before being honored is humility. You know you have to be humbled first. And that was preached and taught to me in Bible college from Les Smith, who's in heaven. Les Smith means nothing to you, means everything to me, because he invested in my life. And so every time I read it, I, I thank God for Les Smith, but then I also think, who can I invest in today? Like I was invested in. I say, well, when do you get to the end of that? When you see Jesus face to face, you don't have to do that anymore, because that'll be over. Uh, an old man going a lone highway came to the evening cold and gray, to a chasm vast and deep and wide to which flowed a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. That sullen tide held no fear for him, but he turned when safe on the other side to build a bridge to span the tide. Old man said a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting your time building here. 
Your journey will end with the ending of day. You never will pass again this way. You've crossed this chasm deep and wide. Why build ye this bridge at eventide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I've come, he said, there followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. Uh, <clears throat> this chasm that has been naught to him will be a pitfall for this fair-haired youth. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building this bridge for him. That's what it's about. Let me tell you one last story and we're going to do business with God. I was asked to preach a missions conference that was unlike anything I'd ever preached before. The pastor started it on Saturday night and ran it to the following Friday. Long, first of all, but had morning and evening, just like you're doing with Faith Harbor Week. You have morning and evening services all week long. And he brought in this array of missionaries. And there were missionaries everywhere. I think in some services there are more missionaries than anybody else. Because they bring their families. And you know you can't be a missionary unless you have 20 kids. you got to start your church from yourself. You know, that's how it works. <coughs> so you say, why did, why did you stop the adopting and having kids at 12? Because 13 means i got to go to the mission field. And... Uh, <laughs> So there were so many missionaries there. And every service, there would be two missionaries that would present their work, and then I would preach. I was the only one that preached. Every service. And, uh, and it turned into, literally, into a revival meeting. It's unlike anything I'd ever been in before in my life, and really since then, like this. And so long about Thursday, uh, we, we would have morning service, two missionaries, I'd preach. Then we'd have a meal, the, fan, the church would put on. Then in the evening, two missionaries, and then I would preach. So, you know, you do the math how many missionaries were there, and they were all there for the, basically the whole week, like they usually are. <clears throat> so Thursday, after the morning uh, service and the meal, a missionary came to me. He said, Dr. Smith, he said, would you pray with me about my burden for the field? And I honestly don't even remember what field he was going to, but it doesn't matter. Um, would you pray with me about my field? I'm burdened for it. And I said, okay. I said, let's go to the auditorium. Nobody's in there. We'll be, we'll be uh, uh, away from everybody, and, and nobody will bother us. And so we knelt down. I said, you pray for us. I wanted to hear what his burden was so I could pray with him about it. I wanted to know what he was burdened by. And so he prayed and prayed probably 15 minutes and, and just uh, uh, you know, give his burden to the Lord, what he was going through, what he was feeling, what he wanted to see done in that field. So then I prayed, and I was agreeing with him with what, what his burden was, and I stayed on, on target. I didn't pray for my, my ministry or my, uh, no, I prayed on what he asked to pray about, agree in prayer. And, uh, and we finished, and unbeknownst to both of us, a man had come into the auditorium and had knelt to pray next to us. And we were caught up in prayer and weren't thinking about it, and nobody knew we were in there. And as soon as I finished, this man started praying. Now I could tell when he started praying, that he was older than I. How much older I wasn't sure at the time, but I knew he was older by his voice. And man, when he prayed, there's some people, friend, when they pray, you're pretty sure the angels close their, their wings down, man, and they just they stand erect and, and listen. And God pulls an ear over there because he's going to listen to what this guy's. That's the type of prayer warrior this was. And so we just, you know, froze, you know. It's like <laughs> heaven's coming down right now, friend. And this man prayed for about 15 minutes, and, I mean, just shook the ground with it. And I thought, who in the world is this? And it wasn't anybody I knew. It wasn't anybody I'd met. 
And uh, so we got done, got up, and I went over to him. And here was this man who was uh, uh, almost 90 years of age then. And I stuck my hand out. I said, I'm Jeff Smale. I know I've not met you. He said, my name is Jim Norton. You probably don't know Jim Norton from anybody in the world, but I'm going to try and give you a little understanding of who Jim Norton is. Jim Norton, I said, I've heard the name. I know something about you, and you have spent a long time in Japan. He said, 65 years in Japan. 65 years. Most people don't spend 65 years anywhere in the same place, let alone Japan. How many missionaries do you know from Japan? I mean, it is, it is one of the few countries you ever hear anybody talk about going to. <clears throat> 65 years in Japan. So I started talking to him, found out a little bit about his background, and I said, I'm, I'm really, really excited to find out how in the world you got to Japan. There's got to be a story behind it. He said, this is how I got to Japan. He said, I was in World War II. And he said, at the end of the war, I was there when MacArthur addressed the troops. And here's what MacArthur said. And General Douglas MacArthur said, at the end of World War II, he said, we have just destroyed Japan. It is our responsibility to rebuild them. And the first thing we need to do is get missionaries over here with the gospel. That's what he said. He said, he said that, and I realized that's what I'm supposed to do. He said, I went home, prepared for that, got my understanding, scriptures, and everything I needed to do, and I went over to Japan, and I've been there ever since. 65 years because a military general said, we have a responsibility to rebuild this nation. Well, we have a responsibility to this area. And the only way it's going to be helped is by people like this in this church. I was thinking about this, Dr. Bell what this church has accomplished in 34 years. Only heaven's going to measure it right. We couldn't measure it right. But I don't know another church that not just has seen as many baptisms, but as many salvations as the Anchor Baptist Church. I don't know another church that's tried to influence Columbus proper like this church has. I don't know another church that stayed true to this Bible and has never wavered all these years and has sacrificially given to help others. I don't know another church in Columbus. I don't know it. This is it. This is the easiest church to get on board with and jump in. The water's fine, by the way. It's time to pay it forward. Time to quit existing and start paying it forward. Father, help us with these things today. 